and welcome to Nutrition 411, the podcast, a special podcast series led by registered dietitian and nutritionist Lisa Jones. The views of the speakers are their own and do not reflect the views of their respective institutions for Consultant 360. Hello and welcome to Nutrition 411, the podcast where we communicate the information you need to know now about the science, psychology, and strategies behind the practice of dietetics. Today's podcast is about geriatric nutrition, the elderly need love too, and good food. Today, my guest is Liz Friedrich. Liz is president of Friedrich Nutrition Consulting, which provides a variety of nutrition consulting services with a focus on geriatrological nutrition. Liz has more than 25 years of experience as a hands-on clinician in long-term care facilities, has authored or co-authored numerous articles in journals and magazines on topics related to nutrition and aging, and is an accomplished speaker on those same topics. Welcome, Liz. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate being asked to be here. Yes, we're excited about today. Before you begin, Liz, do you have any disclosures that you want to mention? I do. I'm a member of the Hormel Health Labs Advisory Council. That company manufactures nutrition supplements, thickened liquids, et cetera, et cetera. And I sit on their advisory board to just provide input to them about products and services. All right. Perfect. Thanks for letting us know. We will dive right into the questions that I have for you today. So the first one is, tell us and our audience about the health concerns that should be considered when creating an nutrition plan for the elderly. Well, before we can do that, Lisa, I think it's important to try to define what elderly means. And that's kind of loosey-goosey in the literature, but I think most people agree that the elderly are broken down into different categories. For example, the young old, roughly between 65 and 74 years of age, the middle old between 75 and 84, and the old old, older than 85. So of course the nutrition concerns can be vastly different for those three different categories of old or elderly. So it's a complicated question. And it really varies depending on how old and in what kind of health condition people are. But of course, we always think about the usual cast of characters, hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease. Um, One thing that's often frequently overlooked is something called sarcopenia, which is a loss of muscle mass. And in the past, they used to say that was uh, caused by aging or due to aging. But now it's being looked at in a broader sense as illness or aging can cause this loss of muscle mass. So if you think about older adults who are sick and getting old, they really can be subject to sarcopenia, which can have a lot of consequences for the way they live their daily lives. So I think that one is, you know, definitely something that a lot of people may not think about. It's also important to think about an older person's ability to function because that affects their affects their health status and their nutrition. So, you know, a young old person might drive their car to the grocery store and bring their groceries home and unpack them, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas someone who's much older may have frailty or sarcopenia or difficulty performing their ADLs and procuring and or preparing foods. So 
you know, I think it's important we think about those aspects of health as well when we talk about a nutrition care plan. Well, thank you for that, because I was as I was listening, there's probably many dietitians that aren't even aware that there's three categories of elderly. And I think back to like how long ago I in when I was in my graduate program, then we were learning about it. And I don't even remember, maybe they did go over the three categories, but thank you for pointing that out because that just goes to show about specialties and specialty areas amongst dietetics. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I'm not sure those areas are well-defined, but certainly as a practitioner and a speaker working with the elderly and you start looking at the literature and you realize, and people do point out the needs are so different depending on the age and um, abilities of the older adult. So it's really like, like that case by case basis and kind of looking at who that particular patient is that you're or client that you're working with and then assessing from there based on some of the things that you mentioned. Absolutely. So, and of course, you know, individualized nutrition care is something we all know about, but I think it comes into play much, much more with older adults than with some of our other populations. Yes. And now I know when, when I, I will be called old, old, I have to be 85 or older. <laughs> so, well, I'm thanks. pushing young old. So uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was when you got invited to AARP at 50, but I guess not. So <laughs> thank you for that answer. How, like, let's talk about some common misconceptions about eating. Cause I'm sure there is a lot in general, but then let's take it into this area with the elderly. What would you okay. say are some common misconceptions? Yeah, in thinking about this, I think the key point here, and we've sort of touched on it already, is one size does not fit all. And, you know, everybody's an individual and has their own needs. But again, it's particularly critical in the elderly that we look at their abilities and their medical history and their desires before we start generating <laughs> plans of care for nutrition. You know, you can't just say every person who's 70 and has diabetes needs, you know, to have their blood sugars at X level and should eat accordingly. It's way more complicated than that. So that's important. And of course, I think across nutrition care, no matter what the age, some people tend to focus more on individual nutrients. And if you think about the elderly, you know, you often hear iron and calcium and vitamin D tossed around. But I think it's safe to say that the overall eating pattern and overall healthy diet is what's most critical rather than focusing on individual nutrients. And again, I think that's more common with all adults, you know, nutrition care of all adults in this day and age, but I think especially for the elderly, you know, for example, their, their iron level is low. Well, why is it low? Um, is it necessary to give them an iron supplement or, you know, ask them to eat high iron foods? It, you know, at the overall eating pattern plays much more of a role there. And then I think another thing that's really critical is obesity, <clears throat> excuse me, overweight and obesity in older adults. And a lot of people, dietitians included, tend to think everyone should lose weight. And for older adults, that may not be necessary, but it could also be unsafe because if you're cutting back the amount of calories they're eating, they could be missing out on important nutrients. And also they could start losing muscle mass if they're not getting enough calories, which can contribute to or exacerbate the sarcopenia we already talked about. So, you know, I really 
think that they thought that everybody who's overweight or obese and is older, the thought that they need to lose weight is a real misconception that we as a profession really, and all healthcare professionals, professionals kind of need to be aware of and address. Yeah, that's a really great point that you bring up because it goes back to like, it's customized for that person. And it's not one size fits all. And, the, and that goes across the board. And then the other thing I was thinking of as you were talking, and I'm wondering with all your expertise, you mentioned those categories. If you put the, the different, have you noticed different differences between the categories with some of the misconceptions? Like in maybe like the young old think something different than the old old. Have you seen anything like that in your experience? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I think that the old old are, they're not, they've not given up, but I hear so many times from people who are really old, you know, I've been eating this way the rest of my life and I'm just not going to change. And, you know, I, I look at myself as a 25 year old, 30 year old dietitian. I practiced very differently back then. And I probably would have gone into that room and said to that person, well, here, let's talk about what changes we can make. But if they are not interested or able to change their diet at, at this age and stage in life, you know, we need to accept that and move forward with that. And actually what I'm seeing about misconceptions, a lot of the younger old, I think fall prey to a lot of, you know, vitamin supplements to help prevent cancer or herbal supplements for this or that. And, um, you know, they're at that age where they've started recognizing they're getting old and they want to make sure they stay healthy as long as possible. And so that age group, I think, tends to be more interested in nutrition to help prevent disease and or extend their life. Yeah, that's so true. And you, as you were talking, I was thinking about when I used to do home care and I had this one consult that I distinctly remember because she was like 94 they wanted me to go talk to her about low sodium diet. I walked into her house. I had like the low sodium handout ready and she was smoking a cigarette and she had like all these canned items because that was easier for her to do. She lived by herself. And she basically said, you're, you're wasting your time here. Like I'm 93. I'm not going to start following a low sodium diet now. And I'm going to continue smoking. And at that point I had, I kind of said, okay, well, I like, how do you argue with that? It kind of goes back to like, if it was a young old person, it'd be a little like different, but I still like went over some things she could do, like some smaller changes, but she still at the end was like, basically said like, I'm not going to follow this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think that goes back to recognizing choice in those, all individuals have the right to make a choice and to reject healthcare, whether it be nutrition or surgery or medication, but also you know, I work in long-term care. I see old and young, old and old, old in all health situations. And for so many people, that quality of life is important. And, you know, who am I to judge if that 93, 94 year old woman wanted to smoke her cigarettes and eat her high sodium foods mm -hmm. at that point, it makes her happy. So sometimes as dietitians, I think we need to adjust the way we look at those sorts of things when we're dealing with older adults. Yes. So true. Well said. Because I, who am I to take away our Campbell's, you know, like I don't want to be the person that's like, no, you can't have those, but here's some alternatives. If you want to like mix them in every once in a while, right. <laughs> right. that's such a great point though.
So thank you for that and the misconceptions. Great conversation about misconceptions. So Liz, what would you say about best practices? So you've done, you have so much experience in this area and I'm sure over, over the course of your practice, you have experimented doing different things and then maybe tried something else. What would you say would be some of the best practices that have led to your success that could potentially help other colleagues working with the elderly population? Well, I think we've touched on several of them. One, of course, is to individualize the care and you know look at what the patient needs and wants and is able to do, rather than just spouting off our. I'm using the word rules, you know, about how to eat healthy. I, I have to say, I go into a lot of rooms of patients who are in a nursing home, maybe there for a few days or maybe there for the rest of their life. And when I say I'm the dietitian. A lot of times I see this thing in their eye, like, oh no, what's she going to tell me? What's she going to tell me, you know, not to eat? Or if they're overweight, she's going to get on me about my weight. So, you know, really individualizing that care, listening to the person. And I always use the terminology, meet them where they are, not where you think they need to be. And those are two very different things. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't encourage them to make changes, but I'm saying, we need to look at where they are and what changes they're interested in and capable of and work on those instead of across the board sweeping changes that we think might benefit them. And then, you know, of course, the quality of life thing is, is ultimately important. And, you know, especially in someone who's in a post-acute care setting, you know, they have no control, those patients over anything in their life, really you know, what time they, you know, who their roommate is, what time they eat their meals, et cetera, et cetera. So if their food can be a source of quality of life, that is just really, really huge. And I think that applies to even, you know, elderly who live at home, who may not go out much or have much company or be lonely, that food is their friend. And um, I think our best practices need to recognize that and allow them to embrace it and not be judgmental about it. Yeah, some great suggestions there with meeting, meeting them where they are. And then the other thing is a lot of times, like what you were saying, is one of the things that they're, like everything's controlled. And then the one thing, if they have a choice in their food, that helps them with a better quality of life. So great That's suggestions. Exactly. Yes. And how about, do you think there are any, have you heard of any new interventions coming out that would su support some of the nutritional challenges that the elderly face that you've mentioned? Well, you know, I was thinking about that and I'm not sure I can come up with new interventions, but I, I do think that we need to, you know, kind of move forward with older adults with a new way of thinking. And Again, we've kind of touched on that, but focusing on nutrient density, you know, we need less calories as we age. So it's important that what calories are consumed are as healthful, healthful, healthy as possible. So, you know, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean protein, the whole thing that we all know. Another new way of thinking is that, you know, maybe our patient has eaten this way their entire life. If they're 65, maybe for 50 years. If they're 85, maybe for 60 or 70 years. So for us to suggest or expect changes that we think are important might just not be very realistic. So, you know, I think 
a new way of thinking is for us to consider when we're working with older adults, is there really a need to change? And certainly in many cases there is. And if the person is willing and able, we can be very successful at helping them make those changes. So not necessarily new interventions, but I think new thought process, processes. Yes, new thought processes. And the other thing I was hearing was like just the freedom to be creative in some of the approaches. Yes, help too. And yes. then going going back to that customizable, like always thinking in that mindset. Yes. All right, great. Would you share or show like any a story about your work, like in particular, like if you have an example showcasing your work in the past that you want to share with our audience? Most of what I do now, or a lot of what I do now is, you know, kind of mundane clinical care with older adults, you know, who are ill. And so, you know, there's not a lot to showcase, but I think <laughs> for me as an individual, I get such pleasure and professional pride out of when I go into a patient's room and I would use, for example, a patient with diabetes. And I find out, you know, it might be an 80, 85 year old woman or man who's been really watching what they eat for the last, you know, 15 years since they got diagnosed. And, you know, if they're on insulin and they're taking medications, the school of thought now is, you know, the complications of elevated blood sugars at that age, the long-term complications are minimal. Um, we don't want to ignore the diabetes, but we also don't want to overtreat the diabetes. So we want to give them the, the freedom to maybe eat more freely than they had in the past. And, you know, I just see that in, I have these conversations with many patients and sometimes, you know, they think they're supposed to tell me that they're eating very carefully. And when I kind of give them the freedom to confess, the light goes on in their head and they're just like happy, you know, yeah, I'm 85. I'm, I'm going to enjoy what I eat and I'm not going to overdo it. But, you know, if I want to have a piece of cake, I'm going to do it. And giving them that permission and making them happy is really a big victory for me. So something small to a lot of people, but a big victory for me. Yes. And that makes me happy to hear too, like giving them the freedom and then I have your cake and eat it too. Like you can, it's okay. There you, you know, go. Just, yes. You don't need to worry about it. Yes. <laughs> so is there anything else that you would say to dietitians working in this population or those, or those dietitians thinking about going into geriatric nutrition that you haven't mentioned at this time? Is there anything else that you can share? Well, you know, it's a, there's a great need for dietitians who are skilled in working with older adults, particularly working in post-acute care settings. There's, as I understand it, there's quite a shortage. So, you know, it, it's a, rewarding career to work with older people. You can learn so much from them and you can see how much they appreciate help when it's given. And so, uh, and you can see how much they appreciate advice, like enjoy your food and, you know, enjoy being with your friends and enjoying food with your friends. So I, I just think it's important that we really consider that our older adults are individuals and dietitians who might want to work in that age category, it's really worth taking a close look because it can be fun. <laughs> it can be really sad and really hard, but it's also very rewarding. Yes, rewarding. 
Well, thank you for sharing all the great suggestions. You are welcome. The, the last thing I want to ask you about this particular topic is if, if you could say just one, and you probably, you already mentioned this throughout, but the one that you would select from this would be the bottom line takeaway that you would tell our audience, what should they do or continually be aware of? And I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. <laughs> Meet your patient where they are, not where you think they should be. <laughs> Is that what you thought I would say? Yes, that's what I have on my paper I wrote down and I have it in air quotes, so thank you. <laughs> Actually, that applies to, to all adults though, I think. I mean, I think we as dietitians sometimes forget that, you know, we're really good at telling people what they should do without necessarily knowing what they are doing all the time. Yeah, so sure. I, I, that is a great point because I think a lot of times I mean, I can even relate that to like my daughter who, who's four and a half. So I think like, I always try to think like meet her where she is. Like she, she doesn't want to eat her fruits and vegetables. How can I meet her where she is currently? Maybe it's not the whole portion. Maybe I just try to do a small amount. So I think at any stage of life, that is great advice. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, one little quick story. I do a lot of work with wound healing and you know, one time I was giving a lecture on nutrition and wound healing to a group and somebody raised their hand and said, my patient doesn't want to do anything but eat McDonald's hamburgers. And I looked at them and I said, well, it, it's a hamburger, it's beef, so it contains <laughs> some protein. So maybe we don't need to be so judgmental. And the look on the faces of the audience, they were mostly nurses and doctors was like, what? And I hope that look was not being appalled at me, but thinking, gee, I never thought of it that way before. We can't necessarily stop some, someone from eating at McDonald's so we can help them figure out what to eat that's going to meet their nutritional needs. Yes, like how to make good choices no matter where you are. And, and that, that basically goes back to what you're saying is meet them where they are. Maybe they're at yep. McDonald's that day, right, Liz? Right. <laughs> that's where they were. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to end with a fun lightning question round. Okay. We'll talk about, talk about related to the elderly as well. So my first question is what food or foods do you eat when you want to show yourself love? You're asking me that question? Yes. For you. Oh, uh, when I want to show myself love, uh, gosh, I don't connect food with love. Uh, that's a hard <laughs> question. <laughs> Uh, a cup of hot chocolate. Okay. I like it. It's a good time of year for it too, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice and cold. How about what food or foods would you give someone to show them love? Like when you're working with one of your elderly patients and you want them to feel love, what, what food would you suggest or what food would you give them or tell them to eat? If there was one food, like you can mention more than one. Like, I know that's probably a hard to answer. Oh, it's not hard at all. I would ask them what they want, what their comfort food is. Oh, there you go. Like soup, warm soup, right. Campbell's, if it's that, that client right. I was mentioning. Right. <laughs> Macaroni and cheese, who knows? Everything, everybody's different. That's true. And since Valentine's Day is coming up in a couple of weeks, what is your favorite Valentine's Day associated food that you would eat, you would eat or give your like or or have talked about with your elderly clientele. Dark chocolate. Very nice. All right. Thank you. Well, I, 
I appreciate everything that you've shared with our audience today. Thank you for being on our show and sharing your insights with us. And we will make sure to share all the resources that we've talked about during and to our audience. Thank you for listening and please tune in again and share your comments and feedback on our site. Have a great day and enjoy a healthier lifestyle with the 411 in mind. For more nutrition content, visit consultant360.com.